everybody! Hi, friends! Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah... It's Thank God I'm Atheist! The podcast! I'm Frank Feldman! And I'm Dan Beecher! And coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about those protests over in Iraq, and a little bit of confusion about them. Yeah, yeah. It's a confusing story. I, uh, we're going to get into all the details... But there's some angry people in Iraq about what an Iraqi did in Sweden. Yeah, and they're, they're taking mad it at out, the Swedes. <laughs> but they're taking it out on the Swedish embassy. Boy, in, don't mention the Swedes to Muqtadal Sadr <laughs> right now. He's very he upset. Will, he has nothing but nasty things to say at this point. <laughs> so we'll be getting to that whole story and our, and our general take on it. But first, um, some news of the week. And boy, Dan, this was a rough week. Especially these last couple of days. Only if you're paying attention. Brutal week in the news. Oh, the Supreme Court is just fucking our lives over. And it is broken. It is 100% broken. And so since a lot of us, most of us are probably feeling pretty, pretty upset about that. I decided to come in with some good news. I, I thought I would try to cheer everybody up. Oh, good, because um, later I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court, and then that'll ruin it. <laughs> well, okay, let's at least get us get ourselves into sort of a sane and stable state of mind. Okay. Um, and just let this wash over you. It is official. U.S. church attendance is still lower than pre-pandemic, everybody. Nice. Um, 34% of U.S. adults before the pandemic so that they uh, had attended church, synagogue, mosque, or temple regularly. Post-pandemic, that number's down to 30% of U.S. adults. Okay. So I mean, that we is kind not of predicted a small drop. Huh? We predicted this. We predicted it, was, it. It was very clear that, like, like for anyone who has been a regular ter- church attendee, <laughs> when you're given a respite from that, Oh you yeah. You don't want you're not excited to go back. Well, and the article points out because they they're like it's unclear as to whether this was just part of the the trend that already existed. Because sure. church attendance was already going down, but they they definitely acknowledge the role that the pandemic had in 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 just pointing out to people right how nice it is <laughs> to to not go to church. And how right. little they're actually getting yeah. from the church experience. And so it maybe accelerated it for a lot of these people. Like these are people who maybe would have fallen away, you know, more like this year or next year or in right. a few more years. Right. But a lot of people were just, yeah, they, they got used to it and, uh, and they just flat out stopped going and it's yeah. wonderful. If you actually look at the number, you know, 34 down to 30%, and and really think about that. That's they've had an over ten percent drop off, right? In that's church a lot. attendance. That's um, amazing. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, Protestants generally are down forty four percent to forty percent. Catholics are down thirty seven percent to thirty percent. Whoa. And uh, yeah, those are the the two largest sample sizes. Everything else is stuff that we kind of already know. This article. Republicans go to church more than Democrats, all that kind of crap. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that we needed just a little balm, a little, just something <laughs> to kind of just make ourselves 
feel a little bit better about this world and and specifically this country uh, that oh, so good. many of us are living in. And just just remind yourself as all of this horror is happening at the top levels <laughs> of yeah. our government, the overall the trend is in our favor long term. And but the and short may term, the, may the sucks. trends be ever in your favor. Um, <laughs> speaking of the horrors, hey, I'm going to talk about that a little oh, bit. Oh, God damn, why? Because here's the thing. I'm, <laughs> I just got everybody into a better state of mind. Ah, uh, 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 but I'm, I'm of multiple minds about this. So this is, <laughs> this is less of a story. This is actually two stories. Oh. I'm going to do a tale of mm. two countries. Mm. And we're going to compare and contrast. And I don't know where I land on any of this. A hundred percent. Interesting. Okay. So the first one is, I'll start with our Supreme Court here in these United States, where they ruled, uh, you know, in, among, in and among all of the disastrous rulings that they did. Mm -hmm. This is one of the ones that was literally a, a unanimous vote by the, by the court, which is pretty rare hmm. and strange. Mm -hmm. um, but let us all remember that uh, even though there's a deep political divide between mm. uh, all of our jurists, they are also all religious believers. Yeah, that's really weird. Uh, and, and deeply so. So, yeah. or at least they profess to be deeply so. Um, so this is, so this is a ruling and we talked about it when it was in the, uh, I think, I think when it was in the appellate court, when it was, had been appealed this is a, uh, a letter carrier, a postal service person mm -hmm. um, who, by the name of Gerald Groff, a former mail carrier who, um, you know, when, when the United States Postal Service signed a contract with Amazon to deliver some of, the, some of Amazon's packages on Sundays, mm -hmm. uh, suddenly this guy had to work on Sundays. He's a very religious guy. He's so he says. <laughs> and didn't want to work on the Lord's day on his day of rest or whatever. Right. Uh, and so uh, he quit and then sued because they were making him work on Sundays. And what, so, you know, there have always been, there have been laws since the seventies saying that employers have to have do sort of reasonable accommodations for people's religion. Right. Okay. Um, but the standard was, I mean, since the 70s, the standard has been this, uh, it, there was a ruling, it was Transworld Airlines versus somebody, some uh, Hardison. And it was um, basically, the ruling was, basically it was a, what, what's called a de minimis standard. The standard being that uh, if the employer suffers a little bit of hardship, uh, it's okay to deny a, an accommodation if there's no if there's no hardship suffered, you know if the employer just doesn't like people to uh, say wear a cross or a star of David or a headscarf or whatever, mm. but it doesn't actually do any harm to the to that employer, right? Then uh, then no, the answer is you have to accommodate it. Mm. But if it does uh, some hardship, it doesn't have to be much. Uh, then, then they don't have to make the accommodation. Well, now, th so this ruling just makes, and it's such a dumb, you know, it was written by Samuel Alito and it was just basically like, uh, 
Literally, what he wrote was, I'll just do the quote, we think it is enough to say that an employer must show that the burden of granting an accommodation would result in substantial increased cost uh, in relation to the conduct of, his, of its particular business. Hmm. That is, I... that is not a good standard. That is not clear. That is stupid. <laughs> so now instead of a de minimis standard, it is a substantial standard. And they all agreed. They all agreed on this. Uh, and, and a whole bunch of religious, but here's the thing, a whole bunch of religious organizations are very happy about it. And this will mean that like a bunch of groups that are very traditionally marginalized and that have very little recourse, you know, like if a Sikh person wants to work, if a Sikh man wants to work in a medical environment, uh, but isn't allowed to shave his beard, sometimes that has been, uh, that is, it's been a no. They, you know, they haven't been allowed to work there. So that this changes that. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. You know, people have long been able to discriminate against Muslims, you know, if, or, or, or Sikhs or, you know, Jews who, who want to take Jewish holidays off, you know, hmm. and haven't been allowed to. Hmm. It, this so I'm not 100% opposed to this. I'm not in favor of it, but I'm not 100% opposed to it. On the flip side, I'm going to take us to France, where France's uh, highest administrative court has now given the okay for sports federations, for the soccer, their soccer federation, mm -hmm. to ban headscarves. Oh. Which, to my mind, there's no... You know, there's no sporting advantage to wearing a headscarf. Right. And there's no disadvantage. There's no reason. It doesn't hurt anybody to have a woman out on the soccer pitch in a headscarf. Right. So why is it okay to make that discrimination in the name of a secular society? It doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. So... But I, do I also think that maybe that like they, I don't know what I think. I don't think, you know, I, I think that a French soccer federation should to some extent be allowed to say, Hey, this is how everyone has to dress when they're on the field. But it just seems like this is just a way to be a dick to Muslim people. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, it see like, I, I, yes, I agree. It, it it seems like a reasonable thing to, to allow someone to wear something that's, you know, like that. Unless, I mean, I don't know, like, can you overheat? <laughs> well, that's on you then, right? <laughs> I mean, like I, it's yeah, up to like, you to make sure that you're, that, that you're not overheating or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but as far as like the postal carrier one, like, I mean, when I think about like, what ends up happening in, in these workplaces though, when, when these accommodations come along is that the people who don't have a religious claim of some kind are the ones who end up having to work on Sunday. Right. Correct. When that used to be an important, maybe that used to be an important family day for them. Right. And yeah. who knows, maybe they used to base this whole thing on seniority Right. Or right. whatever. They're like, well, you know, Bob's been here 10 years. He gets Sunday off. You just started. You don't. Right. 
Like, yeah. And, I mean, and now I, all of a sudden it's like this religious concern is going to trump the any other way that they used to run this. Right. And that, that was the argument made by uh, in amicus briefs by, you know, the the American atheists yeah. and uh, other organizations like that. Yeah. Like we're going to have to the atheists are going to be picking up the slack at these companies. And I don't agree with that. I think that that's that's not right. That's I think I think atheists should start demanding more money when that happens. Sure. Sure. Look, you don't have somebody else to do this. Right. So I'm going to I'm I want more money. Right. To do it. But all of a sudden this like this, you know, magical belief. Right. Right. Is 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 more important than just basic fairness in the workplace because people can have any number of reasons as to why they want or quote unquote need a certain day off, right? Yeah. And if you're if it's the kind of business that's open every day of the week, right? Like how do you how do you set up those the that hierarchy of who gets what off? And it's just some fucking bullshit that that it could that that now even just maybe like a simple hey we're all just going to rotate. Right. Yeah. Well, but Bob is an atheist and he doesn't need this day off. So I get it off and he doesn't. Yep. Right. And it's just, yeah, fuck. it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely not a cut and dry issue. I just, I don't think that, I think I see points on both sides that make sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, as far as like <clears throat> making accommodations for like, you know, what somebody might be wearing in the workplace mm-hmm. like that, that has, I don't really see how that can end up in negatively impacting other employees. Unless right? they're an employee of a government agency how? where, where wearing a, you know, wearing religious markings could be like if the person, you know, if I go into a state agency, say, and I'm I'm beholden to them. I'm asking them to you know grant me a permit or something. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing so you know they're wearing a cross and they've got a big sign that says Lord, Jesus is my partner or whatever. <laughs> and I want to do you know what I mean? Like it could feel intimidating to some people. <laughs> that could that like you know. That, yeah, no, I, I I see your point. Um, but that that what you just described is something that like in this country that we have already allowed. Right. Yeah. You go to the DMV or whatnot, like um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, one of the, the, the workers behind the desk in a hijab and it wouldn't wouldn't bother me. You know, it wouldn't bother me either. I'm just sort of trying to come up with hypothetical ideas. You know what I mean? DMV is yeah. one thing, but like there are people who who hold other people's fate in their hands. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I saw a judge mm. who was like, you know, if, if I'm, if, if I'm coming before a judge and it's a matter, especially if it's a matter that's to do with religion, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I'm suing the city to take down uh, a religious icon in a, in a city park, for example, mm-hmm. and I get in there and the judge is wearing a big old cross, <laughs> that's going to be concerning to me. I, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather see the fucking cross than not. I'd rather not know. Yeah. I'd rather have them publishing what their biases are than sitting there and like formulating sneaky little opinions 
You know, I think that's interesting, right? I I, I like that thinking. Like, I don't know. All I'm getting at is none of this feels easy to me. <laughs> none of this feels. Nothing feels a hundred percent obvious, like what the right thing is. Oh God, Dan. All right. It's why we got to get rid of religion altogether. It's just too confusing. Indeed. Well, um, I have another story to cheer us up. I figured this was going to be a brutal episode. So, um, okay. um, and, but along the lines of, um, just getting, getting rid of religion, boy, the Germans are doing it, Dan. Um, uh, the German Catholic church is, is, um, has lost, uh, 520,000 members last year. Whoa! <laughs> In one year, they lost half a million people from the Catholic Church. Wow. These are people who would have gone down to their local, some kind of official office, a registrar of some kind. Right. And gone through the process. This is insane. They have to officially renounce their membership by actively visiting a local register office and paying a 30 euro administrative fee. You have to pay a fee to no longer be Catholic or Lutheran or whatever. Right. Right. Um, but this, th by doing that, you were, you get yourself out of um, basically like a church tax. That, right. That you're you're automatically, yeah. you're automatically paying them. Yeah. If you have declared an affiliation uh, to any number of Protestant, Catholic, or Ju or Jewish denominations, you this is just automatic. It's about eight, somewhere between eight and nine percent of your income tax is going to that church, which is insane to me. Yeah, that is a terrible system. Uh, um, now they say that, they say that the justification of it initially um, was trying to keep churches independent uh, or independent of political influence. I'm not sure I fully, <laughs> this is just one quick little throwaway line in this article where maybe it's sort of written to people who would maybe kind of understand what maybe the situation was in the early 1900s when this first emerged yeah. in Germany. Like maybe there was something going on with the churches and the state and everything. And this was just some sort because of weird compromise does, or something. One does see an immediate, uh, potential issue with that line of reasoning. <laughs> I don't know, but like put, putting the, the payments, you know, making tithing part of your taxation doesn't seem like you're separating that church from the yeah. state yeah. at that moment. <laughs> it yeah. feels a little <laughs> like the opposite of that really. Yeah, indeed. Uh, however, losing 500,000 people in one year, they are losing a massive amount of, of tax revenue, right? Yeah. And uh, a they're, they're attributing this mass exodus out of the Catholic Church to, you know, the, the series of um, child abuse scandals, obviously, um, yeah. accusations of uh, widespread cover-up, obviously, um, the, uh, perceived complicity, uh, of, uh, Pope Benedict, um, in the whole thing. The perceived complicity, <laughs> not, not, not the actual in fact <laughs> complicity. I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading from the article, Dan. Um, I know. and, uh, yeah, so this it's, it's the wide, it's, it's obviously been incredibly widespread throughout the Catholic church. 
this new the news of it in Germany hit like a bombshell and uh, and people are just like, fuck, I don't want to be part of that anymore. And they're leaving and good on them. Good on them. Right? Like if this, you are a listener in Germany yeah. and you haven't done this yet. Yeah. I, I imagine most of our German listeners have already done it, but yeah. Uh, get on it. Give yourself a raise for one. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, like, you know, like when, when, when I left the Mormon church, I hadn't paid tithing already in quite a while. Right. And I think that's probably pretty typical. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't just like pay tithing up to the very end and then resign. Right. Possible moment. And And so I'm out, (laughs) you're cut off. Like it's just got to have a certain special level of satisfaction Mm. to like go and resign and know that in that act you were hurting them right you're taking money from them yeah i love it and not taking money you're keeping your money and not giving it to them anymore Ugh. love it yeah so Crazy. good news that's good news Dan. that is amazing half a million <laughs> let's get it up to a, to over a million let's uh let's keep pushing on that one guys <laughs> that's that's an awesome trend all right um so here in these United States, I'm bringing us back to the U.S., you know, Congress passes a uh, National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, basically, I think it's every year, and it's usually passed on a bipartisan basis, regardless of, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in it. It's way too big. Our Our military budget in this country is absurd. We're just throwing money away. Um, but there you go. Um, it's, it, you can't, you know, politicians can't say that they were trying to defund the military cause everybody will freak out and they'll, they'll lose their job. So, <laughs> um, but here's the thing, because it passes so easily every year, people sneak shit into it. Oh no. Uh, and this week there's a guy named rep Mike Turner from Ohio who uh, who put an interesting thing into it. There is an organization called the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Hmm. Now, I don't know this organization well, uh, but basically their goal is to, you know, we have reported a lot about how the U.S. military has a lot of, like, Christian indoctrination bullshit mm. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people... Christians are privileged left and right. You get, you know, if you go to church, you get time off. Otherwise, you have to be, you know, doing slave labor on the sun on Sunday. And and you know, there's all the chaplains. There's just, and here's the thing: like people's commanding officers order, you know, are really inappropriate about proselytizing and pushing their religion onto their uh, onto people that they have power over. Right. And that's absolutely not okay. And the uh, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation is uh, has been organized to combat that. Nice. Um, I don't know how well they do. I you know I was reading a thing that uh, Hemant Mehta wrote over on the Friendly Atheist Substack, and he has some objections to that organization and like kind of how they operate sometimes, which is you know small organizations can be tricky. Mm-hmm. But that goal is absolutely laudable. And the way that I know that they're doing something right is that 
what Representative Turner put into this uh, into the amend his amendment uh, said this. Uh, none of the funds authorized to be appropriated by this act or otherwise made available for fiscal year 2024 for the Department of Defense may be used, one, to communicate with the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, its leadership, or its founder. <laughs> oh, my God. Or two, to take any action or make any decision as a result of any claim, objection, or protest made by the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Call them out the by authority- name. Yeah. Wow. Without the authority of the Secretary of Defense. Wow. Which is amazing. Jesus to take Christ. a specific little organization and say, you can't use your email to comp- to talk to them. You can't <laughs> use our phones. Like you're like basically they are they are saying you you can't talk to them, and if they bring a problem to your attention, you can't address it. Jesus Christ. And that is that that is the state of our country right now. That is literal fascism right there. That yeah, is that's I mean, because you know, regardless of your feelings about the organization, if they bring if if someone approaches them and says, Hey, I have a problem, my CEO is is really being a, a jerk and pushing this and this and this. This is this is who you go to. And right. now a soldier could get in real trouble for contacting them. <sighs> yeah. I, um, and even if they, and even if they don't get in trouble for contacting them, the military won't be allowed to do anything when they, when, when they come forward and say, Hey, you need to stop this. Now I'm hoping that because <sighs> it's so specific yeah. and calls them out by name that other organizations will be able to step in. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and do the and you know and and take why, up the why work. not just change their name at that point? Yeah, just <laughs> just reorganize. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're a different organization now. Cool. Thanks. Well done. Nice try. Now we're the Religious Freedom Foundation of the military. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it, they must have really been. Uh, they must have been doing something. Yeah. They got some. They're, they got. They got attention from from some they people were, on that they one. They were a bee in someone's bonnet. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Dan. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do three fairly uplifting stories. <laughs> that I, doesn't sound possible. Um, no, I, I think I, I think I'll let you be the judge, but I think okay. I might I think I might have done it. Um, Amazing. I don't think it's ever happened. Before no, Dan, the trifecta. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Impossible <laughs> on this show. That's not <laughs> that's, the news. Not being all bad. That's astounding. Um, no, so the, the it's been an effort to to find some silver linings, if nothing sure. else. Yeah. Um, and obviously, in this country right now, it, it's hard to get away from the the damage that's being wrought by our current Supreme Court. Of course, the big thing. The big, truly monumental decision that um, happened uh, recently by them was the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year, right? Yeah. The, the, the article that I'm, that I'm pulling up here, though, is talking about us, the, 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 the nuns, right? Mm. And so that's atheists, agnostics, and 
sort of the generally religiously unaffiliated yeah. people in America. And sort of the the galvanizing effect that the overturning of Roe v. Wade had on us yeah. as a group. Um, and it's it's really interesting. This um this is this article is claiming that no, the non-religious uh voters are the new quote unquote abortion voters in America. Abortion voters were obviously pe- back in the day people who opposed abortion, right? It sure. was the evangelicals largely mixed in with a bunch of other conservative religious people, but really the evangelicals. Yeah, I mean, starting with guys like Jerry Falwell and whatever, they they literally used that issue mm-hmm. as a way of driving people to the polls, as a way of getting people who weren't going to vote out yeah. to vote because they were so worried now all of a sudden out of the blue yeah. that babies were being murdered. Well, um, it looks like, according to the numbers, that uh, the sort of the same thing is happening, but now to us um, on the topic of abortion. And so uh, for the first time, the share of religiously unaffiliated Americans who said that abortion was a, was a critical issue, that that number is higher now than the share of white evangelicals who said the same. Wow. We, the, apparently 71% um, of unaffiliated uh, Americans voted for Biden in 2020 mm-hmm. we knew that maybe not the number but we knew that it was a, a, a big um big number and so we already knew that the, the democratic party is starting to wake up and and look at us as as politically important yeah. however the problem with us in general when you talk politics is well what are we going to like rally around well, yeah. what 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 like it's hard to it's hard to get us organized. We don't go to church. That's the thing that the evangelicals sort of had as a major advantage in their push yeah. against abortion was that every Sunday, at least every Sunday, they had everybody together and they could get them riled up, right? And yeah. you could organize around sort of the the church structure, right? We don't yeah. have that, right? So that is a disadvantage. And so it was kind of like you know, I mean, we've talked about the need for atheists to get involved politically, to run for office, et cetera. But even while saying it, it's like, okay, it's more just sort of like, well, it's important for us to do it. But it never seemed like, well, what are, what, what's the defining thing? And what's, right. what's emerging is that the thing that's going to organize us politically is the issue of abortion. Yeah. And and reclaiming it as a right uh, for all Americans. Yeah. When you look at the numbers in 2020, 31 percent of the religiously unaffiliated uh, said that abortion was a very important issue in 2022. Sixty three percent. I am really, really trying not to say, well, where were you in 2016? <laughs> If this was so important to you, we knew this was coming and you weren't doing anything. Right. But, but Dan, but it's nice that it's nice that they're here now. Right. And then with the, and if you look at white evangelical Protestants, uh, in 2020, the number was 61%. Uh, that has dropped down to 
5% of people saying mm-hmm. that this is an important issue. They're, they're actually seeing a lot of ambivalence now amongst uh, evangelicals um, yeah. about now that they've won and they're actually starting to see the reality yeah. um, of, oh, wait, oh, oh, that's how this is a healthcare issue, right? right. How this is, oh, that's, oh, that's why you want to protect this right because, oh, those are situations in which, you know, people can, can you know, have their life be <laughs> threatened because they couldn't end an, a pregnancy that is non-viable, right? Right. Um, so forth and so on. And so now there's a little bit of ambivalence that's formulating over on the right about the topic. The, the left is being galvanized. And in particular, and this is the this is for me kind of the key takeaway, is that this is the thing for atheists, agnostics, and the the rest of the religiously unaffiliated, um, for us to rally around and to figure out these connections and how to organize as a community and go after this issue. This is an important issue, period. Right. But here's here is if nothing else, right, beyond, like, we have the important sort of, all the reasons that it's important that abortion be legal, but then we have the added benefit that, like, if we get out and we start being active right now, we're going to be meeting a lot of other atheists, a lot of other agnostics, a lot of other people who are like-minded, and and it, only good can come from that, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Um I, yeah, I mean, I think that there are other issues that we should be very, very concerned about the treatment of the LGBTQ, uh, oh, absolutely. uh, community, but yeah, I mean, rally around whatever you got to just get out and vote. Cause it's, and that's my point. Yeah. It's vital at this point. Yeah. Like, like this is the thing that's going, that has caught everybody's attention. And so great. Let's get some work yeah, done. And I like, right? I like your point that like, if nothing else, maybe this will finally get politicians thinking about this voting block that they've been basically ignoring. Yeah. The interesting thing that I think will happen there is the moment that the Democrats start to vocalize, right? They're like when the list of people that they're working for and they actually say atheists, right? Yeah. When they actually start saying the word, it's going to normalize it. And all of a sudden we're going to start seeing open atheists getting elected in certain districts. Yeah, like because but it's going to take that moment for the party to shift and we're really close to it. They're going to have to start acknowledging us very, very, very soon. Will we almost exist, everybody? (laughs) Congratulations. No, I think they're really close. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Oh, God, as much as I don't want 2024 to to actually. Come. Um, (laughs) Like, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how things are shifting around a little bit. Yeah. I think we might actually hear some call outs to, to us. Maybe not. They're, they, they're not going to say atheists at first. Right. But they're going right. to say, you know, our non-religious, yeah, you know, friends or something. Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, I am now going to just, I close this off with a, a little dessert, a little fun mm. one. Yeah. Um, here in Utah, the uh, th- this is a this is I don't know what is this a Karen alert? This is amazing. <laughs> a Utah mom 
a Utah family uh, has decided to has lost their lawsuit. Oh no! Uh, they sued Sky Ridge High School. Where's that uh, in Lehigh? They, oh, in Lehigh. I think, I, yeah, huh, okay. Lehigh, Utah. Okay, just barely south of of Salt Lake City. We, and apparently, here's the deal. At the end of the school year, a lot of schools get a little lackadaisical about people's attendance and whatever, because like. You know, they've stopped. It's the last week of school. The tests have been taken. The main things have happened. Uh, you know, it's now just sort of a little bit of cleanup for, you know, kids that still have something outstanding or whatever. But for the most part, they're not really strict about taking attendance or whatever. So kids aren't always in class, whatever. So this, the, the son of, uh, of this uh, mom, Mormon mom who's suing, who sued, was not in class. Hmm. And mom came to pick him up. She couldn't find him anywhere. Had the school page him. No, no word. Turns out he was out in the parking lot getting it on with his girlfriend. <gasps> what? Um, yeah. Which, you know, they are teenagers. Teenagers will teenage. <laughs> and, uh, and so they were, uh, they, yes, they were fornicating. Oh, oh, which is very against his mom's Mormon religion. They are absolutely uh, adamant that you have to be abstinent. Uh, abstin is that a word? Abstinent? You must abstain. Abstinent from sure. yes from sex uh, before marriage. <laughs> so she sued the school district. What? Uh, saying for that her if, failure as a parent, if that's they what she had, sued them for, if they had forced the kid to be in class, he wouldn't have been having sex with his girlfriend. Uh, oh my God, you're an idiot. Uh, so, so uh, she sued the school. Turns out, no, that is not a. The school does not have a an obligation to ensure that your son isn't boinking his girlfriend out in the parking lot. Oh my god. Oh. And uh and the the lawsuit was dismissed. I just <laughs> thought that was just <laughs> I think that's sort of this this is the mark of like ultimate privilege is when you think hey something didn't go the way I want it to I'm suing someone. <laughs> and it's just like no, that's just not at all how the, any of this works. You don't get to just sue when you don't like what happened. <laughs> like a law has to be broken for you to for you to do a lawsuit. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, so yes, this it turns out that uh, the the district's policies were adjudicated to be religiously neutral. <laughs> And no, you you weren't you you didn't you weren't losing any of your rights uh, by your kid doing what kids do. Oh, that poor kid! Oh, his life is hell. Right well, now. that you know, it's funny. A friend of mine uh, posted online and and was like, you know, all you'd have to say to this kid, rather than saying don't ever have premarital sex, say if you have premarital sex, I will sue someone. And it will make the news, and you and you will never hear the end of it. That is a deterrent, my friend. The embarrassment that this kid must be facing right now 
Uh, that yeah, that's how you deter your kid from uh, from having sex. It still won't work. Still won't work. Still will not work. Yeah, teenagers are going to do what they're going to do. You were a teenager too, mom. You know, that's the problem. These parents do know. Yeah, but they think their generation will be the one that finally stops it. <laughs> My parenting will be the will be the magic pill that will stop kids from getting horny. Oh golly! Something Just, tells me that this mom could stop me from getting horny. That's, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, listen. If you would like to comment on this or any of our stories this week, please feel free to write into us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is four two four six 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 eight four four two. Stick around. There's more show coming up. Well, Frank, Dan, yeah, this is a, a the time on the show when we, uh, we, you know, we play a little bit of audio from somebody. This is a, it's frequently a preacher. Mm. This time, uh, mm-hmm. it's a preacher uh, who who who's related to some famous folks. Uh, this is the father of Anna Duggar, uh, oh, who's married no. to Josh Duggar. <laughs> I believe they're still married. He's in jail. He's in prison. Yeah, but, uh, you know. This is her dad uh, and his voluminous chin. Uh, anyway, this is so this is Mike Keller. And boy, does he have a really uh, strong take on uh, U.S. history, particularly uh, one of the most horrific parts of our history. Oh, and he, he he's got it figured out. Well, I think good. I think you'll appreciate how much he's got it figured out. Good. 150 years ago, or 200 years ago, when the blacks were slaves, did they ever go to Washington, D.C. and have a rally 200 years ago to protest against slavery? Did they? No. What did they do? Well, a lot of good people in the plantations would say, hey, it's wintertime. Let us help build a church for you, dear folks. And they loved them and taught them how to read so they can read the Bible. And here's what the blacks did about 150 years ago. They humbled themselves. They prayed. They sought God's face and they turned from their wicked ways. And God made slavery illegal through several white presidents, right? It worked, didn't it? They didn't protest. That's, How about that? That's wildly offensive. It's, <laughs> like you don't th- you don't realize how much deeper you can dig when you launch with why didn't enslaved people <laughs> leave the plantations upon which they were enslaved and go to Washington <laughs> D.C. to protest? Like you think that's about as stupid as you can get? Yeah, no, and then, nope, nope, that's not. Nope, let's just keep on digging. Let's make it worse. Let's make it way, way worse. All those kind white folks at the plantation who said, who, 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 who made them churches so that they could stay warm in the wintertime. Oh, no, oh my gosh. No, it's really. I want to know how many times in real life a 
human trafficking slave like I don't I don't even like the term slave owner because that's that's a human trafficker is what that is. That is a kidnapper. How many times do you think they actually referred to the enslaved Africans as you dear folks? <laughs> Let's just help out you dear folks. I just don't think it happened very often. I am oh, look at those I'm dear folks just out trying there. to unpack this idea of like <laughs> that's 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 what ended slavery. You're right. And is is <laughs> it was and what it was oh, the God. the real turning point was when the enslaved people themselves mm -hmm. humbled themselves. Yeah. Cuz they were so haughty these <laughs> enslaved people. And then turned from their wicked ways. Yeah. What fucking wicked ways did they even have available to them? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's, it was literally like every, I, I, every clause of every sentence was worse than the last one. There's a part of me that is just almost regretful for ever having heard. <laughs> What well, you just said. It's so awful. I've inflicted it on all of you. <laughs> you all have heard it now. So, sorry. Oh, golly. All right. All right. Well, we had some folks write into us and call into us. Uh, I'll start with our Patreon Deacon Tim. Mm. Thank you for being a patron. <clears throat> who says, hi, Dan and Frank. I love the podcast. Uh, and it's one of the things that's keeping me sane while having to negotiate around uber religious family oh. but recently i had to attend a funeral at a catholic church in palmyra new york for an old friend oh <laughs> now okay. the the mormon among you suddenly perked up at the name palmyra new york the rest of you that doesn't mean anything but the, the mormons that that's an important place anyway uh tim goes on i haven't set foot in a catholic church in 20 years except for funerals but this one was particularly triggering as the priest made it 95 percent about conservative religion yeah. and five percent about our friend mm -hmm. uh that does not shock shock me in the least i'm amazed that they said anything about your friend <laughs> to be honest uh, so often the priest doesn't really even know who the person is. Yeah. Uh, I only contained my rage and didn't walk out uh, for the sake of his older family. I was not in a good place as I was driving away to meet some friends at a bar and toast our old friend. I hit my play button in the car and a new TGIA episode started, which is exactly what I needed. As I was listening, I noticed I was passing the LDS Visitor Center at Hill Camora. This is where mm -hmm. Joseph Smith... D pretended he discovered some magic gold <laughs> in the mountains um, with its empty, huge parking lot. It all helped cheer me up. And I thought that you might appreciate that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yes. Uh, nobody goes to Hill Camorra anymore because they got rid of the pageant. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. We should have gone. I know. I know the Mormons, they ruined everything. Keep your really, really dumb stuff. It's delightful for us. The dumb stuff was the only good stuff. That was the best right. stuff. But they like they tore down the visitor center downtown. Oh God. And I, I miss that visitor center because it was awful. <laughs> 
the like this is a visitor center at the Mormon temple. And you know, the Mormons are pretty slick and they had a lot of money, but boy, did they have the stupidest wax uh, yeah. figures. They had this, like, you know, all of these wax sculptures of Moses and Joseph Smith and stuff. And it looks so stupid. It was so great. I loved it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, we've got a voicemail, don't we? We do from River, uh, who is calling in with some perspective on the, on the word cult. Which oh, we cool. were, which we were discussing a, a couple episodes ago. Fun. All right, here we go. Hey, Dan and Frank, uh, it's River from Texas. I'm thinking about your discussion about the word cult and utility, um, and uh, my perspective on this is that I I tend not to I tend to only use the word cult. Say yes, I grew up in a cult, the Mormon cult. Uh, when I'm around people who are already on board. Um, but I have in, in conversations with my mother, who is still a believer, um, I have told her that my experience of the Mormon church was a cultic experience. It was the experience of being in a cult. And I understand that that was not her experience, that she doesn't ex understand her experience that way, but I do. And I've found that that works pretty well. Again, limited sample size, but I've found that that works pretty well because I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this thing is a cult. I'm saying that the way I experienced it was like a cult. Um, and that's a harder thing to argue with or to take offense at. Anyway, I'm curious to hear what y'all think about that. Take care. Well, thanks, River. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always a good idea when you're talking about uh, important and very emotional topics with people that you love to use I statements. This is, you know, mm -hmm. this is a therapy thing. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people. But to say this was my experience, I feel this, you know, this is about, you know, my how I had this experience. Right. So. That totally makes sense to me. I probably still wouldn't use that word for, with my loved ones, but I might use high demand religion mm -hmm. uh, and say that, you know, it it places an undue burden on or, or set of burdens and that those burdens are very controlling. Yeah. Yeah. A controlling religion. That's interesting. Yeah. High demand, I think, runs the risk of um, actually being something that... Um, um, an active Mormon might actually be proud of. Absolutely. <laughs> I think they'd be like, Absolutely. yeah, damn straight. This is a high demand religion. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's hard to be a Mormon. That's why everybody, <laughs> you know, everyone that leaves, they're only leaving because they're too lazy uh -huh. and they are, and they are too, they yeah. just can't hack it. Yeah. So if you want to, that's a good term with Mormons. Yeah, <laughs> they they won't hear what you're saying though. Yeah, that's true. No, but, you're right. Actually, you know, if you if you want to be heard, maybe Rivers' idea is the better yeah, one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, Stu also wrote into us. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we Stu's a Stu's a friend of the show. Somebody that that has written in a bunch of times, and is a boomer. Oh no. And uh, uh -oh. you and I, Frank, we 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 kind of. Lit into the boomers a little bit. I stand uh, by it. I do not regret it. <laughs> anyway, 
Here's Stu said, I, look, I was born in the summer of 1948. I'm a definite boomer. Despite your verbal mistreatment of boomers in your last podcast, I am big enough to admit that the world has not improved in all ways during our adulthood years. Uh, as you suggested, here is a prayer to boomers. And this is cute, so I'm going to read it. Uh, a boomer prayer. Our father who art a boomer, hallowed be thy Beatle albums. Thy race was run, thy will was done. Well, that's certainly true. On earth as it was in Congress. <laughs> give us this day our daily meds and forgive us our forgetfulness as we forgive those who keep reminding us you said that already. Lead us not into mouthing stereotypes uh, and deliver us from anti-boomer tirades. For thine is the mail-in ballot, the early bird special, and the Medicare forever. Amen. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't boomers trying to take away Medicare from people, right? maybe maybe that would re resonate a little differently. But I think that's a very cute thing. Thank you for writing in, Stu. We have some folks to thank. We do, Dan. I'm going to start us off. Oh, nice. Uh, we have a new deacon in the form of Courtney. Thank you so much, Courtney, for your one-time donation. We really appreciate that. And, uh, and do you have some folks? Uh, I do. I have um, a new deacon as well over on Patreon uh, by the name of Lon. Lon. So thank you uh, to the both of you for... Uh, yeah, priesthoods on ye. <laughs> well done. Magic powers. Totally do. Thanks for supporting a, the show. Um, that's if, the magic word. <laughs> if you'd like to uh, join them, please do. Uh, go to our website, thankgodimatheist.com. And click on the support tab. And as always, Dan, we have our top donor to thank, our Lord and Savior, Davis. More show coming up. Well, Frank. Dan. Not unlike uh, your recording studio currently, mm -hmm. uh, things are getting hot <laughs> in Iraq. Hot, right hot, now. hot in Iraq. It's rock, hot, rock. hot, hot over over to Iraq, <laughs> where uh, Shiite cleric Muqtada Sadr has uh, had a whole bunch called on a bunch of followers to uh, to storm the Swedish embassy. Oh boy, uh, they're in Baghdad and uh, you know briefly occupy it after a, a guy burned a Quran in Sweden. Now, I was looking, you know, it's funny because what actually happened in Sweden is kind of buried in this article on Religion News Service. It turns out that a man who identified himself in Swedish media as a refugee from Iraq. Oh. Uh, then burned a Quran outside of a mosque in central Stockholm. So, I mean, how one can hardly blame the Swedes for this. They should. It feels unfair. They... First of all, they should have stopped this somehow from happening. But somehow they should have gotten there and before the match was of all, uh, they secretly liked it. So they enjoyed it. They <laughs> everyone we all know that they were they were sniggering, they were giggling uh at this thing. Uh anyway, I wanted to talk about it because I want to boil down what people are specifically actually angry about because here's the thing it's not the book 
There's no God uh, doesn't live in your book. Really? I don't know. I, don't know I mean, that. look, when when they're uh, you know when the family Quran, the family Bible wears out, when it's in tatters, mm-hmm. it's not like they go to heroic lengths to repair it. You get <laughs> you a new Quran. You don't know, Dan. You don't know. I bet they have it rebound. <laughs> I bet they put it in a, a velvet uh, little bag and there's put a, there's a book binder on every corner yeah, and uh, put the old Quran next to, you know, uh, so-and-so's remains or whatever. Yeah. The point for to me is that like, you know, the important part of any holy book isn't the physical, ob- ob- it, it should be obvious to everyone. It's not the physical book itself. It is the ideas contained therein. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I agree with you as a rational human being completely. <laughs> so I don't, so I, I, my point in saying that is that it's not the burning of the book. That's the issue. The mm-hmm. issue is the, the sort of, uh, uh, the, the, synecdoche that the book is for the group because it is because the act of burning the Quran in front of a mosque is is meant to be about declaring displeasure with Islam or with maybe with just that mosque I don't know would you <laughs> would you agree with that I'm trying I'm, you're you're not you're not giving me your assent oh, on so, these so, things. So, well because I'm sitting I'm, I'm I'm thinking it through and I don't want to just keep derailing you because I think that's probably <laughs> where I would be at at this point I think though no I I think Dan that there is a perceived sacredness to the text and so you were desecrating the Quran you are insulting Allah you are you know, Allah is taking offense by by what he, you're doing. He, you hurt his feelings. You hurt Allah's feelings. And is, I mean, yes, if, if we he know may anything, be omnipotent, he may be omniscient, <laughs> but he's a sensitive one. He's he's also Allah. uh uh what would it be for like he feels everything. <laughs> mm, yeah. He feels all the bad emotions. And we should, we should be sensitive. clear that this isn't just Muslims. I've literally seen, you know, I, I like to go to uh, downtown Salt Lake during Mormon general conference because the, uh, the protesters all show up and they, I remember one guy who was literally doing his, his shtick. He's a, he's a, pro, an evangelical protester of the Mormons. He's protesting the Mormons and he had a book of Mormon that he had attached to a string and he was throwing it on the ground oh and dragging it along the ground and saying, look at what I'm doing. I'm desecrating your holy book. If you cared about it, you'd be real mad about this. And then he said, if you throw my Bible on the ground, I'll tear you to pieces. Like he was literally saying, I'm doing this thing. But if you did the same thing with my book, right. I would I would threaten violence for that. Well, I think he's trying to say that his position is superior, right? Yeah. He's like yeah, you don't obviously. really care about that, right? Yeah. Um which is funny because obviously Mormons aren't going to throw his bible on the ground cuz that's it's their also, bible too. Right. They also believe in that. Yeah. So I just uh, a, a yeah. weird take. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, I was just sort of thinking about like your point of like people don't go to great lengths to dispose of like old Bibles or Korans or whatnot. Like, they're just, like, but what do they do? I think like, is there sort of like, like the American flag, you're supposed to like burn it if it touches the ground. Right. Like, or if it's tattered or, or if it's tattered. Yeah. Right? The, the, the ceremonial disposal of this thing, if you venerate it. Yeah. Is you're supposed to burn it. Yeah. So like that's what the flag code says. Burning stuff can sometimes be, a sign of, of, of respect for the object. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I doubt that's what it the depends. guy in Sweden was doing, but like, it depends um, on if, uh, on your attitude while you're burning it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you know, if I, you're being cool, I just, it, it, yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting th- though, Dan, that, that you, you, you approach these things so often from this like point of reason and you try to project it onto the, the, the believers who are just unreasonable, right? You're like, well, no, this is how you guys should see this. No, no, right? no, no, no. What I'm getting at is the point to my mind, isn't that this is how they should see it. The point is I don't, I think that what they're offended at is something different than what they would say they're offended at. Yeah. I think what they're actually offended by is that someone is, they 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 feel like their tribe, their group, the thing to which they hold the most precious affiliation, sure, is being attacked. Yes. And it's not being attacked physically, even though there is a physical manifestation of the attack. Mm-hmm. It's being attacked symbolically. Right. But they still feel that attack and they're and it hurts their feelings. Of course. And they don't know how they don't know what to do about that. Yeah. They're not this is not an emotionally mature response. I tell you know, storming a building full of like administrative workers who then have to clear out and wait for, you know, three hours until it's safe to go back in. And then they just go back to work. You've done nothing. (laughs) You've achieved or accomplished nothing. (laughs) You're just trying to make yourselves feel better. Because someone symbolically did a thing and it hurt your feelings. It made you feel weird. Yeah, they maybe got in a little bit better with Allah, though, too. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, Allah's like, oh, okay, good on them. Good on okay. Them. I was they're, they're making a, a big show of it. Yeah, for, all right. Huh. Look at how mad I am. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the maddest on your behalf. <laughs> uh, I know that when they burn your book, it makes you... Real, real sad. Uh-huh. And I am just, look at what I'm going to do. I'm going to run into this building and mm. I'm going to scream a lot. They actually, and this is the height of irony. This is like, I'm sure they couldn't possibly see this, but they, some of the protesters had a little burning of their own and burned LGBTQ rainbow pride flags. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> What were they? How was that a reaction? They're literally, I think literally it's just, well, I I think it's what you said. You know, it's it's about trying to be above someone. It's about not being bottom of the totem pole. So if someone's going to burn my thing, I'm going to make somebody else feel bad. I'm going to make, I'm going to commit the exact same offense 
Where do, to a group that I don't value. Where do you even get a pride flag in Iraq? Right? <laughs> Wait, how did you? Ha- you just had that, you guys. This happened like yesterday. You had one. You had an hour to come up with this flag. Well, you just had that. I mean, maybe Amazon is there. I don't know. Like, they just <laughs> just got on Amazon. Got a little. They're pride. They're Prime members, right? <laughs> Got a really quick delivery of a pride flag. Get it here quick. Get it here quick. We have a pride. Oh my god! Or maybe yeah. there's like a stuff to burn section at like the corner store. <laughs> Just like a protest symbols supplies. that we hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you get you get your your lighter there. You get some lighter fluid, <laughs> and you get there's like there's a American pride flags, flag. There's an American pride. flag. <laughs> now they've got Swedish flags. They're too late, but they have them now. Next time, next time they'll be ready. They'll know. They'll know for later. Then just they need to stock all of the Scandinavian flags <laughs> for sure, just just to be on the safe side. Uh, French flags amazing. probably now. Oh, the now. French will definitely come up at some point. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's. It's just so funny how you know. Obviously, people think in terms of symbols. That's how how humans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just funny. That no one's requiring of any of these people, you know, certainly Muqtada al-Sadr, no one's requiring of him that he sort of parse this out and say what he's actually mad about. Hmm. Nobody's saying, you know, really break this down for me. Is it the book? What's going on? What are you actually upset about? You know who did this? You know what I mean? All he has to do is go... Something to be mad about. Yeah. And then everybody goes, okay, I'll be mad. And then they go and do a thing. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to explain. And to stop and ask, could you please clarify? Muktada, could you please clarify? <laughs> Mukti. 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 Come on, buddy. Like, like, what is it exactly that you're upset about so that we know what we're screaming and shouting and burning Mukti, stuff Mukti, take my hand. Sit yeah. down. We need to talk. <laughs> Just, I need some direction here. I'm a little confused. But isn't that what we need in this society? Like the the fact, I I think this is actually just representative of a lot of sort of, a, you know, the religious right in the U.S. does this all the time. They don't explain what they're mad about. They all they know. Just, they just yell abortion and everybody goes, Bleh! Because and then when the abortion and then like you said earlier in the show when the abortions are banned yeah and and you know women are not getting health care that is vital to them and people are dying and people are getting very seriously uh you know their lives are getting very seriously fucked with yeah suddenly they're like oh oh I thought we were just yelling abortion and running around screaming yeah no you mean there's more to it than that I think that people all have the, they don't want to be too specific about what to be angry about because everybody's already angry. Everybody's already disaffected. Everybody's already in this state and they all have a slightly different take on it. What's important is that the group is angry and the leaders up there being angry and they rile everybody up. And if it's too specific is, I think it falls apart, right? Like I think a lot of people, sort of who are all on board with something, po- you know, some revolution or whatever, post-revolution. <laughs> there's a lot of disappointed people who were for the revolution in the first place. Right. Right. Like I watched that multi-part 
documentary on um, um, about Iran and the the, mm. the American embassy. I can't remember what it was called. Um, but there were people in there who they all had such different like like um, things that they were upset about. And they yeah. all formed this revolution together. And then, oh, my God, it's the religious guy who's going to. And now he's a dick to everybody when there yeah. were people who had very different grievances. Right. Well, I mean, you and, see that all the time. Yeah. When when the grievances aren't actually explicitly laid out. Yeah. It's certainly easier to rally people. Yeah. So you think but, everybody's fighting for their own thing, right? Yeah. And you so, yeah, literally, I don't think, I think a lot of people at the, who went to protest on January 6th saw later the video of the QAnon shaman in his goofy fucking hat. <laughs> and we're like, I was associated with that yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you, yeah, you can't just nuance is a way harder. Mm -hmm. Like the truth is, that nuance and and being specific and doing the actual work mm -hmm. of 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 you know sorting out what you're really upset about and what should be upset about and what you shouldn't it's messy it's difficult the answers aren't easy anymore yeah and uh and it's a lot harder but it, we need to, to be holding people to account for what they're actually upset about <laughs> if someone's mad and they're like, well, what about Hunter Biden's laptop? Okay, what about it? Yeah. Sit down and tell me what specifically you have read and seen that you're mad about. Yeah. Or are you just mad about the phrase Hunter Biden's laptop? Because right. if it's just that, it's not enough. Yeah. All right. Well, go <laughs> burn a Quran and see who they see. If I you can do get somebody not recommend to that. I maybe you can get someone across halfway across the world to storm a building. That's that's a fascinating effect to have <laughs> on the world. That talk about a butterfly effect. I burn a Quran over here, and then you know a bunch of people have to take a half day over in in Iraq. That's interesting. Anyway, uh, if you would like to write into us about this or any of the things we've talked about, uh, please feel free to do so. Podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Yeah, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. Click the like button. And if you'd like to join one of our members-only lounges, you can do so by going to thankgodimatheist.com slash members-only. Yeah, thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their fine music. And thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thanks to all y'all for tuning in. We sure do appreciate you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.